What a victory to the name of Jehovah, the Almighty God. This was the victory song of Moses and the Israelites after deliverance through the Red Sea. Had not Jehovah fulfilled the first of two promises to his people? Freedom from slavery to Egypt. But the second promise of God was yet to be realized. To give his people a land of their own, a land flowing with milk and honey. Would the words of this song and the good news of God's promises linger on their lips and in their hearts to carry them through the wilderness to the promised land? What can we learn from these experiences? Jesus' apostle Paul said they are examples for us upon whom the ends of the systems have arrived. Paul also warned us, we have had the good news declared to us also, even as they also had. But the word that was heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who did hear. So beware of losing faith by drawing away from Jehovah. Listen carefully to what happened right after Israel's deliverance through the Red Sea. Yes, Bikra. This is the way Jehovah will conduct us into the promised land. And they went out to the wilderness of Shur and marched on for three days in the wilderness. Three days already. How much farther do you think it is, Jayflet? Who knows, Sira? Maybe Moses does. Ha! You can't believe that. I think we're lost, Dathan. What do you think, Asaya? No, Sira. We've been watching the sun. We're traveling in one direction, all right. But where? Do you know, Asaya? Jehovah's pillar of fire is still before us, Dathan. Ah! Your father will give you a drink, Mirza. How can I? You drank the last drop some time ago. But I'm thirsty, Father. No one in the whole assembly has water. <laughs> it's all gone. What are we to do? <laughs> Moses brought us out here to die. Will we really die of thirst, Father? We will unless someone besides Moses does something about it. Moses only follows Jehovah's pillar of fire, Jockton. What is he going to do about water for the people? He delivered us through the Red Sea, Hotep. He can carry us through the wilderness. It's Jehovah who leads us, Hotep. Trust in him. You left Egypt in service in Pharaoh's court relying on these promises. Have you forgotten? We'll all die. We'll die of <laughs> don't cry, Mirza. I have a little water left. You can have it. I don't want to drink up your water, Bikrai. We're not thirsty anyway. Besides, Jehovah will give us some more. Oh, Jehovah bless you, Bikrai. And you too, Isha. Water! Look, there's water! Look, Father, Jackson's found water. Oh, We're coming, Jackson. Say, 
Here, drop some in this bucket. Let me taste it. Oh, it's bitter. Look, here comes Moses and Aaron. Moses, the water is bitter. What are we to drink? Children are dying of thirst. The water is bitter. I know, my brothers. But Jehovah is not unmindful of us. Trust in God, my brothers. Now look and see how oh, Israel. Moses has a branch of a tree. This branch of a tree. Jehovah has directed me to cast into the water. And the water will become sweet. What good will that do? Come now, my people. Drink your fill. And praise Jehovah since he serves as your salvation. The water is sweet. Hear now, O people of Israel. This is what Jehovah has said. I have heard you murmuring, and I will put you to the test. If you strictly listen to the voice of Jehovah our God, and will do what is right in his eyes, and will indeed give ear to his commandments and keep his regulations. I will put none of the melodies upon you that I put upon the Egyptians, because I am Jehovah who is healing you. Is it any wonder that Jehovah said of Israel, they are a stiff-necked and rebellious people. Or that Paul said, the word that was heard did not benefit them. But though they forgot so quickly the mighty acts of their God, Jehovah, in his long-suffering and loving kindness, did not forget his people entirely. He knew their needs, not only for water, but also for food. So in the second month after their coming out of Egypt, Jehovah said to Moses, here I am raining down bread for you from the heavens, and the people must go out and pick up each his amount day for day, in order that I may put them to the test as to whether they will walk in my law or not. Accordingly, in the morning, here upon the surface of the wilderness there was a fine flaky thing, fine like hoarfrost upon the earth. And the house of Israel began to call its name manna, meaning, what is it? And its taste was like that of flat cakes with honey. It's a miracle of Jehovah, children. We should never forget that. We won't, we Mother. We really remember. And always be thankful for the provision of Jehovah. Yes, Father. Jehovah said he gave them manna to put them to the test. Little did they realize how severe a test the manna would become before they reached the land of promise. In the third month after the sons of Israel left the land of Egypt, they came into the wilderness of Sinai and went camping there in front of the mountain. And Moses went up to the true God, and Jehovah began to call to him out of the mountain. Go to the people. And you must sanctify them today and tomorrow, and they must wash their mantles. And they must prove ready for the third day, 
because on the third day Jehovah will come down before the eyes of all the people upon Mount Sinai. At the blowing of the horn, they themselves may come up to the mountain. And the third day when it became morning, it came about that thunders and lightnings began occurring, and a heavy cloud upon the mountains, and a very loud sound of a horn, so that all the people who were in the camp began to tremble. Moses now brought the people out of the camp to meet the true God, and they went taking their stand at the base of the mountain. And Jehovah spoke to them in the mountain out of the middle of the fire. Now when the people got to see it, then they quivered and stood at a distance. And they began to say to Moses, Moses, you speak with us, let us listen. But let not God speak to us, for fear we may die. Jehovah now said to Moses, Come up to me in the mountain and stay there, as I want to give you the stone tablets and the law and the commandment that I must write in order to teach them. Then Moses entered into the midst of the cloud and went on up the mountain. And Moses continued in the mountain forty days and forty nights. And Jehovah carved out two tablets of stone and wrote upon them on both sides the words that he had spoken to the people out of the fire. I am Jehovah your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. You must not have any other gods against my face. You must not take up the name of Jehovah your God in a worthless way. Remembering the Sabbath day to hold it sacred, you are to render service. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely as a witness against your fellow man. You must not desire anything that belongs to your fellow man. Now as soon as Jehovah had finished speaking with Moses on Mount Sinai, he proceeded to give him the two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written on by God's finger. Meanwhile, the people got to see that Moses was taking a long time about coming down from the mountain. So the people congregated themselves about Aaron. Aaron! This Your man, brother, Patience, my brother. What would you have me do? Get up, Aaron. Make for us a God who will go ahead of us. Do you know what you're asking? We need a God to go before us. Then tear off the gold earrings that are in the ears of your wives of your sons and of your daughters, and bring them to me. And all the people began tearing off the gold earrings that were in their ears and bringing them to Aaron. Then he took the gold from their hands, and he formed it with a grieving tool and made it into a molten statue of a calf. This is your God, O Israel, who led you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron got to see this, he built an altar before the camp. 
Finally, he called out to the people. There is a festival to Jehovah tomorrow. So on the next day, they were early in rising, and they began offering up burnt offerings and presenting communion sacrifices. After that, the people sat down to eat and drink. Then they got up to have a good time. Jehovah now said to Moses, Go, descend, because your people whom you led up out of the land of Egypt have acted ruinously. They have turned aside in a hurry from the way I have commanded them to go. They have made a molten statue of a calf for themselves and keep bowing down to it and sacrificing to it. After that, Moses turned and went down from the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand. And when he got to the bottom of the mountain, Joshua, who had been waiting, joined him to return to the camp. Look, Moses, my lord, it's even as Jehovah has said. See, the golden calf and the dancing. This is indeed a stiff-necked people. Why then should I bring them this law at the hand of Jehovah their God? Moses, my lord, you've smashed the two tablets. Aaron. Yes, Moses, you've returned. What did this people do to you that you had brought a great sin upon it? Do not let the anger of my lord blaze. You yourself well know the people, that they are evil inclined. So they said to me, Make for us a God who will go ahead of us. Hence I said to them, Who have any gold? They must tear it off themselves, that they may give it to me. And I proceeded to throw it into the fire. And this calf came on out. Do you not know that Jehovah got incensed at this people? To the point of annihilating them. Joshua. Here I am, my lord. This god of gold that the people had made, this molten calf, must be destroyed. Go quickly, Joshua. Take the calf that they have made and burn it with fire and crush it. Then throw its dust into the torrent that is descending from the mountain and make the sons of Israel drink it. Even so, my lord, it shall be done. Who is on Jehovah's side? To me. Eliezer, Isaiah, you others, you are all men of Eli. Hear now what Jehovah, the God of Israel, has said. Put each one of you his sword on his side. And kill each one his brother, and each one his fellow, and each one his intimate acquaintance. And in this way, the people must know that Jehovah is a jealous God, a God tolerating no rival. And Jehovah began plaguing the people because they had made the calf which Aaron had made an object of worship.
As for Moses, he proceeded to take his tent away and he pitched it outside the camp, far away from the camp. And the pillar of cloud came down and stood at the entrance of the tent. Then Jehovah said to Moses, Carve out for yourself two tablets of stone like the first ones. And I must write upon the tablets the words that appeared on the first tablets, which you shattered. Accordingly, Moses did just as Jehovah had commanded him. Later, Moses called the entire assembly of the sons of Israel together and said to them, This is the word that Jehovah has commanded. From among yourselves, take up a contribution for Jehovah, and let all the wise-hearted among you come and make all that Jehovah has commanded, namely the tabernacle with its tent and its covering, the holy garments for Aaron the priest, and the garments of his sons for acting as priests. Accordingly, they came, everyone whose heart impelled him. And they brought everyone whose spirit incited him, Jehovah's contribution for the work. Where are the articles of gold? Over there. What do you have? All sorts. I didn't realize there were so many seals against the monster people. Moses, the people are bringing much more than what the service needs for the war. Then cause an announcement to pass through the camp. Not to produce any more stuff for the holy contribution. With that, the people were restrained from bringing it in. And the stuff proved to be enough for all the work to be done, and more than enough. Accordingly, it came about that in the first month, in the second year, in the first day of the month, the tabernacle was set up. And the cloud began to cover the tent of meeting, and Jehovah's glory filled the tabernacle. And Jehovah's cloud was over the tabernacle by day, and a fire continued upon it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel during all their stages of journey. Now it came about that in the second year, in the second month, on the twentieth day in the month, the cloud lifted itself from over the tabernacle of the testimony. And the sons of Israel began to pull away from the wilderness of Sinai for a journey of three days. And again the people became as men having something evil to complain about in the ears of Jehovah. When Jehovah got to hear it, then his anger grew hot, and a fire of Jehovah began to blaze against them and to consume some in the extremity of the camp. When the people began to cry out to Moses, then he made supplication to Jehovah, and the fire sank down. And the name of that place got to be called Tabera. And the mixed crowd that was in the midst of them expressed selfish longing. And the sons of Israel, too, began to weep again. Hotep, who will give us meat to eat? 
thought was well with us in Egypt. Well, why didn't you stay in Egypt, by Nina? The land was desolated by Jehovah. But nothing like this wilderness he's brought us into. Would you rather be back in the service of Jannies and Jambres? Those magic practicing priests than to be here in the camp of Jehovah? What do we have here, Hotep? Promises of a land flowing with milk and honey. We can't eat promises. All we have is manna. Who here will give us meat Hotep. to eat? Your fellow Egyptians speak with greater wisdom even than Moses, whom you've grown to imitate. You do well to heed the words of Moses, Dathan. And you too, Abiram. Do you think it's beyond the power of him who parted the Red Sea to provide you with meat if he saw fit? Moses, say to the people, Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow, as you will certainly eat meat. You will eat not one day, nor two, nor five, nor twenty days, but up to a month of days, until it comes out of your nostrils, and it has become a loathing to you people in the midst of whom I am are 600,000 men on foot. And yet you, you have said, meat I shall give them, and they will certainly eat for a month of days. Will flocks and herds be slaughtered for them, for it to be adequate for them? Or will all the fish of the sea be caught for them, for it to be adequate for them? The hand of Jehovah is cut short, is it? Now you will see whether what I say befalls you or not. And a wind burst forth from Jehovah and began driving quails from the sea and letting them fall above the camp. Quail? Seen them? More quails than all the frogs of all Egypt. All around the camp, two cubits above the ground, as far as I can see. Anina, we have meat to last a month. I know. I've gathered ten homers. People are gathering quails all around the camp. About a day's journey this way and that way. There are so many of them. Come, Hotep. We'll have a feast. You eat it. You asked for it. Never mind, Anina. Come on, leave them. I'm hungry. What's happened to all the people, Father? Look, even I, Nina, and almost have fallen down. Can't we help them? No, Bikrai, not now. It's too late. It's the anger of Jehovah's judgment against them. The meat was yet between their teeth before it could be chewed when Jehovah's anger blazed against the people, and Jehovah began striking at the people with a very great slaughter. And there they buried the people who showed selfish longing. Now Miriam and Aaron began to speak against Moses on account of the Cushite wife whom he had taken. Ever since Jethro arrived in the camp with Moses' wife Zipporah, and his two sons, 
Moses has withdrawn more and more to his own counsel. That's not altogether true, Miriam. Has he not appointed older men to judge the people, making them heads over the thousands and the hundreds and the tens? True, Aaron. But this was at his father-in-law's urging. Moses still serves as representative for the people before the true God. And he himself brings the cases to the true God. It's Moses who warns the people of what the regulations and the laws are. And it's Moses that makes known to them the way in which they should walk and the work that they should do. But is it just by Moses alone that Jehovah has spoken? Is it not by us also that he's spoken? Moses is a prophet of God. But I, too, am a prophetess of Jehovah. True, Miriam. And Jehovah has spoken by you. But now, what will prevent Moses from exalting Zipporah and putting her above you, his older brother, and me, his older sister? Perhaps it's only that it appears to you to be so. You can speak thus, Aaron. Has he not made you high priest? And your sons also priests of the Most High God. But what share do you have in the administrating of the government of Israel? And I, though Jehovah has spoken by me, hmm. what part do I have? It's true. Zipporah is an outsider to Israel. It doesn't seem right that she should be on an equality... Here he comes now. Oh, uh, Moses, Miriam has been talking to me about Zipporah, your Cushite wife. And what of Zipporah, Miriam? Would you now exalt a Cushite woman above your own sister? One through whom Jehovah himself has spoken? In what way has Zipporah been exalted in Israel? Well... As Miriam says, she is your wife. And will not the people most certainly turn to Zipporah and exalt her and look to her to lead the women in dances and in singing? Moses, is this indeed what you yourself... Moses and Aaron and Miriam, go out, the three of you, to the tent of meeting. Jehovah was listening, and now he himself... We'll answer. And now we'll see what it is Jehovah will do, and whether or not it is by you only that Jehovah has spoken. And Moses, with Miriam and Aaron, went out to the tent of meeting and stood before Jehovah. Hear my words, please. If there came to be a prophet of yours for Jehovah, it would be in a vision I would make myself known to him. In a dream I would speak to him. Not so, my servant Moses. He is being entrusted with all my house. Mouth to mouth I speak to him, thus showing him, and not by riddles. And the appearance of Jehovah is what he beholds. Why then? Did you not fear to speak against my servant, against Moses? Ah! Look! Leprosy! Ah! I'm covered with leprosy! Excuse me, my lord. Oh! Do not, please, attribute to us I the sin in which we have dead. acted foolishly ah! and which we have committed. Please. Do not let her continue like someone dead 
whose flesh at the time of his coming out of his mother's womb is half eaten off. Oh, God, please, heal her, please. Were her father to spit directly in her face, would she not be humiliated seven days? Let her be quarantined seven days outside the camp, and afterward let her be received in. Accordingly, Miriam was quarantined outside the camp seven days, and the people did not pull away until Miriam was received in. Miriam apparently profited from her rebuke at Jehovah's hands. And it seems her humiliating experience for a time quieted those who resented Moses' leadership and denied his appointment from Jehovah. But not for long. The lack of faith that plagued the assembly of Israel would not allow them to rely entirely on Jehovah's leading and forgetting the mighty acts of God that finally brought them to the borders of the Promised Land. They were totally unprepared to face the challenge that suddenly confronted them. Dathan, how long do you think it'll be before the spies return from Canaan? It's been 40 days since they left the camp. Perhaps something's happened to them. Do you think it was right for us to ask Moses to send the spies into Canaan? Of course it was, Hotep. Moses has led us here to the borders of the land of Canaan. And now he boldly tells us that nothing can hinder the acquisition of it. But how could we know whether the Canaanites could be so easily vanquished? You're right, Korah. It's good that we sent spies into the land. How do we know what sort of cities the Canaanites have? It was Moses that took 12 men of ours, one for each tribe to search out the land, to see whether the people there are strong or weak, few or many. And... Uh, he told them they must prove themselves courageous and take some of the fruitage of the land, since it's the days of the first ripe fruits of the Look, grapes. Here come the spies now. Has Jehovah blessed your expedition, Joshua? He has indeed, Moses. We entered into the land in which you sent us out, and it is indeed flowing with milk and honey. See, here's some of the fruitage of the land. And the fruit is in great quantity. The good things fill the land. So let's prepare, therefore, to enter the land and take it by Jehovah's undeserved kindness. You're hasty, Joshua. The facts are that the people who dwell on the land are strong. And the fortified cities are very great. And the rivers were so large and deep that they couldn't be passed over. And the hills were so high, we couldn't travel along because of them. And the cities were strong with walls and firm fortifications around them. Do not be discouraged by these bad reports, my brothers. Let us go up directly, and we're bound to take possession of it, because we can surely prevail over it. We're not able to go up against this people because they're stronger than we are. Indeed, we became like grasshoppers in their eyes. People of Israel, hear me. You must not suffer shock or be afraid because of this bad report. Jehovah your God is the one going before you. He will fight for you 
according to all that he did with you in Egypt, under your own eyes, and in the wilderness, where you saw how Jehovah your God carried you just as a man carries his son in all the way that you walked until you were coming to this place. Then all the assembly raised their voice, and the people continued giving vent to their voice and weeping all through that night. And all the sons of Israel began to murmur against Moses and Aaron. It's better than to die in the wilderness. Our wives and our children will become plunder. Let us appoint ahead and let us return to Egypt. The land that we passed through to spy it out, it's a very, very good land. A land that's flowing with milk and honey. Only against Jehovah do not rebel. And you... Do not you fear the people of the land, for they are bred to These us. These men would lead you to your death. Do not listen to These them. These men deserve to die. Be of good courage, my brothers. Do not condemn God as having told you lies. Trust in God to conduct us and follow those whom God has appointed to be our leaders, even Moses and Aaron. My brothers, my brothers, hear this word of Jehovah. I have heard the murmuring of the sons of Israel, that they are murmuring against me. In the wilderness, your carcasses will fall. Yes, all your registered ones of all your number, from 20 years old upward, who have murmured against me. Not one among these men of this evil generation will see the good land that I swore to give to your fathers, except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. As for your little ones, of whom you said, plunder they will become, and your sons, who today do not know good or bad, these will go in there, and to them I shall give it, and they will take possession of it. The carcasses of you yourselves will fall in the wilderness. By the number of the days that you spied out the land, 40 days, a day for a year, a day for a year, you will answer for your errors 40 years, as you must know what my being estranged means. We shall go up and fight in accord with all that Jehovah our God has commanded us. Be courageous, men, for we shall go up against the Canaanites. Tomorrow we shall go up. Gather yourselves together, men. No, 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 my brothers. Jehovah said, you must not go up and fight, because I am not in your midst, that you may not be defeated before your enemies. Gird on your swords, men! Do not listen to Moses! We will go against the land just as Jehovah directed us when he brought us to the borders of Canaan. Why is it that you are passing beyond the order of Jehovah, but that will not succeed? Do not go up, because Jehovah is not in your midst, that you may not be defeated before your enemies, for you are certain to fall by the sword, because for the reason that you turn back from following Jehovah. Jehovah will not continue with you. However, they presumed to go up to the top of the mountain. But 
the Ark of Jehovah's Covenant and Moses did not move away from the midst of the camp. Then the Amalekites and the Canaanites who were dwelling in that mountain came on down and began striking them and went scattering them as far as Hormah. How far they had drawn away from the true God. Though making great professions of faith in Jehovah, their murmuring and fault-finding with Jehovah's appointed servant were eventually bringing them into open opposition and they rebelliously determined to serve God in their own way. Having lost all faith in God's promise to bring them into the promised land, the desire to return to Egypt that had begun to take root even before they crossed the Red Sea began to spread like gangrene. And the seditious talk of men like Korah and Dathan and Abiram found fertile soil in their hearts. Our defeat should not in any way be taken as evidence that Jehovah is opposed it's to us. It's because of Moses that we've suffered this defeat. How can you say that, Dathan? Korah said it's because we permitted Moses to continue to impose himself and his own will upon the people. Had you listened to Moses, you would not have emboldened yourselves to go up against the Canaanites against Jehovah's express warning through Moses ah, and suffer defeat. It's to our own advantage to be our own master and to take to ourselves a new leader. Moses isn't fit to lead the people. Now that we've been rejoicing in our deliverance from the indignities we've endured under the Egyptians, why now should we bear the tyranny of Moses over us? Moses would have us believe that God foretells what concerns us only out of kindness to Moses. As if we're not all the children of and Abraham. That God has made Moses alone the author of all the knowledge that we have, and we must still learn it from him. It's a very sad thing, my brothers, that we've not acted before this, but have allowed Moses to hunt after and pave the way to glory for himself. Jefflet, could I speak to you here a moment, please? As you say, my brother. Jafflet, my brother, what has prompted you to speak so against Moses? Is not Korah equal to Moses himself? You continue to listen to the seditious talk of Korah. Do you not know? You would condemn me for speaking against Moses. Yet you yourself speak against Korah a man who is interested only in the advancement of Korah true worship. is interested only in his own advancement. He has no love for anyone. Would you sit in judgment on an older man? My brother, my brother, come please. Why should we quarrel between ourselves? Is it not time for us it's to be... It's a time for us to act, and to act quickly before we suffer another such defeat as oh, our valiant men. my brother, my brother. May you have peace, Korah. And peace to you, my brother. Our brothers are growing restless, Korah. The defeat they've suffered at the hands of the Amalekites and the Canaanites has caused them to weep before Jehovah. But on account of Moses, Jehovah will not listen to their voice. 
Moses makes a show of goodness and of compliance with Jehovah's will, and by persuasion rather than force, and by his secret cunning, he has grown wickedly powerful and has exalted his brother Aaron in the same way. Truly spoken. Now it's proper for the people to punish such men, even while they think their wicked designs are concealed from us. They should be punished. Do not permit them to gain strength until there is nothing more left for them to do. You sons of Levi, hear me now. Is Moses able to give us any just cause as to why he has bestowed the priesthood on Aaron and his sons? If God had determined to bestow that honor on one of the tribe of Levi, am I not also of the tribe? Prince of Levi. No, I would not take upon myself the dignity of this high office. Only if it were urged upon me by the people. On the other hand, if God had determined to bestow this honor on the oldest tribe, then that of Reuben might have it justly, and Datham and Abiram would have it, for these are the oldest men of the tribe of Reuben, and men of fame on account of their great wealth also. There's Moses. That is enough of you, Moses, and of Aaron because the whole assembly are all of them holy, and Jehovah is in their midst. Why then should you lift yourselves up above the congregation of Jehovah? O Korah, both you and all those with you, these 250 men are chieftains of the assembly. But in the morning, Jehovah will make known who belongs to him. And it must occur that the man whom Jehovah will choose, he is the Holy One. Let Jehovah choose. Joshua. Here I am, my lord. Dathan and Abiram are not present with this assembly. Go and ask them, please, to come up also, that they may hear the word of Jehovah. As you say, my lord. Listen, please, you sons of Levi. Is it such a little thing for you men that the God of Israel has separated you men from the assembly of Israel to present you to himself to carry on the service of Jehovah's tabernacle? So must you men also try to secure the priesthood? For that reason, you and all your assembly who are gathering together are against Jehovah. As for Aaron, what is he that you men should murmur against him? You are alone, therefore. Have Dathan and Byron, the sons of Eliab, come up? No, my lord. Here is the word of Dathan and Abiram. We are not going to come up. Is it so little a thing that you brought us up out of a land flowing with milk and honey to put us to death in the wilderness? That you should also try to play the prince over us to the limit? As it is, you've not brought us into any land flowing with milk and honey that you may give us an inheritance of field and vineyard. Is it the eyes of those men that you want to bore out? So they said, we are not going to come up. O Jehovah, do not turn to look at their grain offering, 
Not one male has ever taken away from them or ever harmed one of them. Cora, you and all your assembly be present before Jehovah tomorrow and take each on his fire holder and you men must put incense upon them and present each one his fire holder before Jehovah and it must occur that the man whom Jehovah will choose, he is the Holy One. It is well. It is well. That is enough of you, you sons of Levi. It pleases my heart greatly, Japhlet, to see that you've not joined with Korah in presenting yourself before Jehovah at the entrance of the tent of meeting. I wouldn't put in for the office of the priesthood for myself, just as Korah's sons, Aser, Elkanah, and Abiaseph, have not joined with him. Nevertheless, I do not oppose Korah and his assembly of 250 men for their right to do so. They're awaiting now a sign from Jehovah. Moses has not revealed to us what it will be, but I fear that Korah's act of presumptuousness will not go unpunished. Now, Moses would present himself before the tents of Dathan and Abiram, that they too might hear the word of Jehovah. I would also hear what it is that Moses will say to them. I, for my part, do not deny the right of Dathan and Abiram and what they've done. They've taken a stand against Jehovah's servant Moses. And they've denied the word of God spoken by Moses. Does Jehovah speak only by Moses? Are we not also a part of Israel? How do you know that Jehovah does not also speak through Korah and Dathan and Abiram? They're older men too. They came with us out of Egypt. Is not Moses a man just like us? It would seem, Japhlet, that Jehovah is preparing to answer these questions himself. You did not stand up with Korah, but how will you stand when Dathan and Abiram are called to account? Please, Jafflet, beware of their rebellious talk. Come, here are the tents of the sons of Eliab. Here comes Moses. What is it that you would say to us, Moses? Have you come here to play the prince over us? <laughs> Turn aside, please, from before the tents of these wicked men, Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, and do not touch anything that belongs to them, that you may not be swept away in all their sins. Oh, Asher, Alpena, and Abiasat, have you also been taken in by Moses' fear-inspiring threats? You sons of Korah claim to keep the law, 
Does not the law say honor your father? Yes, you sons of course. Why are you not with your father now? That is the fifth of the ten words, Abiram. And all of the first three demand exclusive devotion to Jehovah. Jehovah himself is still in the midst of Israel. Separate yourselves while there is still time. By this, you will know that Jehovah has sent me to do all these deeds, that it is not of my own heart. If it is according to the deaths of all mankind that these people will die, and with the punishment of all mankind, that punishment will be brought upon them, it is not Jehovah that sent me. But if it is something created that Jehovah will create, and the ground has to open its mouth and swallow up them, and everything that belongs to them, and they have to go down alive into Sheol. You will then know for certain that these men have treated Jehovah disrespectfully. <laughs> Look! Fire from heaven at the door of the tabernacle. Judgment of Korah. Too bad for them. Listen. What is it? It's it's an earthquake. So down they went, and all who belonged to them, alive into Sheol. And the earth went covering them over, so that they perished from the midst of the congregation. And a fire came out from Jehovah, and proceeded to consume Korah and the two hundred and fifty men offering the incense. These perished in the rebellious talk of Korah. Too bad for them. And directly the next day, the whole assembly of the sons of Israel began to murmur against Moses and Aaron. Moses has carried his authority to an extreme. How could he dare to put Jehovah's people to death? What are you saying, Japhlet? It was Jehovah who put them to death. You saw it yourself. Dathan and Abiram and all that belonged to them were swallowed up, and Korah, and his entire assembly were consumed by the fire from Jehovah. God was angry with them, Messiah. But what happened was not so much because of the wickedness of these men, since they were chieftains of the assembly, men of fame. It was Moses that brought this great loss to Israel. Now he would even make a memorial, having the fire holders of these men made into thin metal plates as an overlaying for the altar. Eliezer, the son of Aaron, has done this just as Jehovah directed. 
that they should serve as a sign to the sons of Israel, that no one might become like Korah in his assembly. You men, you put Jehovah's people to death. Why do you men continue to put Jehovah to the test? See now, we must make supplication to Jehovah that he not turn upon you in his anger and do to you even as he did to Korah and his assembly. Moses and Aaron, you men rise up from the midst of this assembly that I may exterminate them in an instant. Quickly, Aaron, take the fire holder and put fire from upon the altar in it and put on incense and go to the assembly in a hurry and make atonement for them because the indignation has gone out from the face of Jehovah. The plague has started. Moses, what will this thing come to? See how these men... Uh, oh, oh. Jephlet, Jephlet, what have they done to you? Mother, father. No, Moses, don't go near them. Jehovah has struck them down. Oh, mother, father, why did you do it? Why did you sin against Jehovah? Don't cry for them, my dear. Oh, your heart is breaking. Don't cry, Mary. We must not mourn for those who are punished by Jehovah. We'll take care of you. Quickly, Aaron, stand with your fire holder between the living and the dead. Stand back. It's the scourge of Jehovah. And Aaron kept standing between the dead and the living. Eventually, the scourge was stopped. And those dead from the scourge amounted to 14,700 aside from those dead on account of Korah. Then, at Jehovah's direction, Moses took one rod for each paternal house of Israel, twelve rods, and the name of each one was written upon his rod. And Aaron's name was written upon Levi's rod, and all of the rods were deposited in the tent of meeting before the testimony. And it came about the next day Aaron's rod for the house of Levi had budded and was blossoming flowers and was bearing ripe almonds. In this way, the man whom Jehovah would choose was made manifest. Only after so long a time and so many attempted rebellions was Jehovah's appointment of Aaron finally accepted by all the assembly. What occurred during the next 38 years in this regard, the divine record does not reveal. But the continuing hardships and privations throughout these long years apparently did not instill in all of the newer generation, the ones born in the wilderness, the faith they needed to endure down to the end. And as the time drew nearer for the nation to enter into the blessings of the promised land, their trials and testings were not to decrease. In fact, as it turned out, the very prolonging of the intervening years proved to be the undoing of those foolish enough to draw away from God.
In the final months of their 40-year trek in the wilderness, even Moses, the faithful servant of Jehovah, began to feel the strain of these trialsome times. It was when the sons of Israel proceeded to come into the wilderness of Zin in the first month, and the people took up dwelling in Kadesh. There Miriam died, and there she was buried. Now there proved to be no water for the assembly, and they began to congregate themselves against Moses and Aaron. Moses, why have you men brought Jehovah's congregation into this evil place? For us and our peace of burned and dire? We're the finds in the pomegranates, Moses. We have no water to This is no place to see. We did die in this wilderness. Then Moses and Aaron fell upon their faces before Jehovah at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Take the rod and call the assembly together, you and Aaron your brother. And you must speak to the crag before their eyes, that it may indeed give its water for the assembly and their beasts of burden to drink. So Moses took the rod before the crag and proceeded to say to the congregation, Hear now, you rebels. Is it from this crag that we shall bring out water for you? The rock, it's, it's splitting apart. Later, Jehovah said to Moses and Aaron, Moses and Aaron, because you did not show faith in me to sanctify me before the eyes of the sons of Israel, therefore you will not bring this congregation into the land that I shall certainly give them. sons of Israel proceeded to pull away from Kadesh and come to Mount Hor, where Aaron died, and Eliezer became high priest in place of Aaron. And all the house of Israel continued weeping for Aaron thirty days. While they continued trekking from Mount Hor by the way southward to the Red Sea, the soul of the people began tiring out because of the way. Big cry. How long do you think it will be before we can dwell in peace in the promised land? Patience, Bethiah, my little one. We all long for that day. But sometimes it seems so far away. A land flowing with milk and honey. <sighs> like we'll never get there. Bethiah, you're just a child born in the wilderness. So was Zimri, your brother. That's all you've known. I know, Mirza. 
just wandering, waiting for all the older ones to die. Yes, most of those over 20 when we came out of Egypt have come to their end. I'm and thirsty, Mama. Your father will give you a drink, Emna. There's very little left, but you can have some. Jehovah will provide more for us in due time. Do you remember Bikri so many years ago when you gave me the last drop of water from your skin flask? I do indeed, Mirza. We were both so young and had just seen the marvelous demonstration of Jehovah's power in the Red Sea. Your faith was strong even then. You were so confident Jehovah would supply us with more water. And he has for all these years since then. Now we're so near to entering into the promised land. Can we allow our faith to waver? Phineas, you remember Egypt. Tell me about it. About the houses and the grain fields and the food. Mmm, those <laughs> melons and the leeks and the onions. Bethiah, my dear one, what I remember of Egypt is not the food and the houses, nor the so-called good things that some of the older ones used to mourn for. What I remember are the worn and haggard old men, and women, too, who used to drag themselves in from the fields late at night, trying to find a little straw to use in making bricks for the Egyptians the next day. The young men with welts on their backs from being whipped. And sometimes, when I close my eyes at night, I can still remember the old man's struggling to get up from the ground under the merciless blows of the Egyptian taskmaster, only to fall back down, finally to stir no more. Then I get up and step outside my tent and look toward the west. And there, in the midst of the camp of Israel, like a beacon of light, is the flaming pillar of fire resting over the Ark of the Covenant inside the Tent of Meeting. And I get down on my knees and thank Jehovah that he heard our despairing cries and sent us Moses to deliver us. Oh, Phineas, I didn't mean to long for those things. It's, it's just that I've, well, I've never eaten anything but manna. And someday we'll have things better. But it better. is so easy to become discontented and murmur against Jehovah's provisions. It is. Oh, look, here come your father and Hotep. They've been faithful for many years. Both were grown men when they left Egypt. But that doesn't mean they'll have to, uh... Die in the wilderness? No. Father and I are both Levites, so we're not among the men numbered for war. Jehovah's judgment restriction doesn't apply to us. Peace, Big Rye. Peace, Father. Good day. Hotep. with you. Hotep, so many of the people are tiring out because our time in the wilderness is dragging on so. Do you ever regret that you left Egypt? Why, no. Why should I? Jehovah has been good to us. But in Egypt, you had the very best the land could offer. You were high in the court of Pharaoh. Pharaoh himself had far more. But what good was it when he opposed Jehovah? He lost his life. I didn't. Wasn't it difficult for you to decide? 
Not when I became convinced Jehovah's the true God. But your family didn't come with you. No. I'm a firstborn son. And I had an only son, just like Pharaoh. But when Moses told us the firstborn would die if we didn't stay inside of the house with the blood of the lamb sprinkled on the doorposts, I believed him. But my wife didn't. She became fearful of our neighbors and took our son and fled. What happened? He died. Oh, oh. oh no. But my wife blamed Jehovah, not her own lack of faith. And that was the very night you left Egypt? It was either go with Moses and his God, or go with Pharaoh and the gods of Egypt. And when we came safely through the Red Sea, I knew I had made the right choice. Why should I ever let anything destroy my faith? But many have. It grieves me to hear them speak so disrespectfully of Jehovah's provision for us. How do they think they can escape his displeasure? Aaron is dead. And still we drag on through the wilderness. That means we'll have no water. And the manna is all we'll have to eat. Why has Moses brought us up out of Egypt to die in the and wilderness? And though our fathers were slaves, our lot was better there than it is here in the And wilderness. our soul has come to abhor the contemptible bread. Look, Ethni's dead. Now we're all sure to die. For Moses has brought us into the midst of poisonous snakes, and they'll kill all of us. Another snake! Hotham is dead too. It's a judgment from God. We've sinned against Jehovah. Jehab, run quickly and bring Moses. See the poisonous serpents. We have sinned because we have spoken against Jehovah and against you. Intercede, please, with Jehovah, that he may remove the serpents from upon us. Oh, Jehovah, please, remove this curse from off your people. Or must they all die here in the wilderness when we have come so near to the promised land? Turn, please, your anger away from these people that may continue to live and not die all. Make for yourself a fiery snake and place it upon a signal pole. And it must occur that when anyone has been bitten, he then has to look at it and so must keep alive. Moses at once made a serpent of copper and placed it upon the signal pole. Hear now, O people of Israel, when any one of you is bitten by one of the poisonous serpents that Jehovah has sent among you, you must look at this copper serpent, and so you must keep alive. Can it be so that anyone bitten by a poisonous serpent can live just by looking at this copper serpent that Moses has made for us? Getting up. He isn't going to die. Jehovah be praised. Oh, merciful God is Jehovah. See how he's brought salvation to Israel, and 
Though I have sinned, still he's made a way of atonement for me. And now, see, I stand before you whole. Jehovah is certainly the true God and one to be praised. After that, the sons of Israel pulled away and encamped in one place after another until they came to the valley that is in the field of Moab. And Sihon, the king of the Amorites, did not allow Israel to pass through his territory, but came out and began fighting with Israel. Listen, Phineas, what is that? Could it it's the men of war returning from fighting the Amorites and the victory song of the women. They've entered the camp on the north. Oh, I must run to greet them. Oh, my tambourine. Oh, never mind that. Oh, Phineas, I'm so excited. I'm not thinking clearly. They'll be tired and thirsty. I'll get the water. Phineas, Simri, and Jahath. How oh, good to see you, Phineas. Welcome back to the camp of Israel, Zimri. And you too, Jahath. Right down here. May you have peace after your successful oh, campaign. May we have peace indeed. It was indeed successful. This armor has suddenly become a burden to me. Oh, Zimri, you're back. Here's water. You must be thirsty. I'm famished to the point of dying. You've come a long way, Jahath. Was the fighting difficult? Jehovah prospered us, Bethiah. The Amorites melted before us just like the dew in the morning sun. And we went capturing all of their cities, devoting every one to destruction. And Sihon, king of the Amorites, and Og, king of Bashan, we struck down with the sword. And the spoil of the city and we took spoils? as plunder. Those cities and the wealth of those people make this miserable camp in the wilderness seem even more desolate. Oh, Simri, you don't really mean that. You're tired, and maybe you're hungry. Let me run and fetch you some manna cakes that manna. I baked this morning. Don't talk to me about manna. I'm sick of it. Why, the things we saw up there in the land of the Amorites? We're going to have all those things someday. And soon, Zimri. I'm talking about now. What's wrong with wanting the best out of life? Well, there's nothing wrong with wanting the good things of the land. Our hope from Jehovah himself is a land flowing with milk and honey. He didn't say a land flowing with manna. I hope not. But his provision for us now is manna. To teach us that man does not live on bread alone. So eat it and enjoy yourselves. Please, forgive me, my brother. I didn't mean to... It's only that... Suppose I became discontented with the miraculous provision of manna Jehovah has made for us. Wouldn't I become like our people who were bitten by the poisonous serpents? Then you could look at Moses' copper serpent and keep on living. Ah, uh, never mind. I'll eat it because I have to, but don't ask me to like it. I'm going to my tent. Oh, Phineas, did I do wrong? Jehovah should never be put to the test, my little one. Jahath, what do you think? Well, it does seem like a little thing, just to enjoy yourself. Just to have a good time, Jahath. Zimri is a chieftain of a paternal house of the Simeonites. But sometimes I wonder what would happen. 
I don't know. It's just a little thing. How often do we hear that? Especially if it's something we think is our right or that we think we might enjoy. But is it a little thing if it is the first step away from Jehovah? Zimri and his Israelite brothers had to answer that question when the women of Moab and Midian came calling the people to the sacrifice of their gods. When does your watch conclude, Jeheth? At sundown. Have uh, many of the men gone out to the festival? The festival of the Moabites? Well, there's no festival in the camp of Israel as long as we're still fed on manna. Many have gone out, Zimri. Uh-huh. They invited me too, but won't they be singing and dancing before Baal? And that makes you hesitate to join in? Well, the law we received at Mount Horeb strictly forbids... You read the law too literally. It's just music and dancing, having a good time. Just ignore their gods and sacrifice. Let them idolize Baal and Chemosh. You can just enjoy the music. Look, Zimri, who are these women approaching the camp? They're not Israelite women. Oh, that's Kazbai and Ada, daughters of kings of Midian. Kazbai has invited me to join in their dancing. What is your name? Uh, Jehath. My name's Ada. Why haven't I seen you at our festivals? Well, I... I'm not quite sure. You're not sure that you're welcome? Oh, but of course you are. We'd like everyone in the camp of Israel to come. But your festivals are in sacrifice to... to Baal, and as a, a worshiper of the true God... But you needn't take part in the sacrifice to Baal if you don't want to. Certainly you can come to the festival and share in the food and wine and the music and dancing. What could be wrong with that, Jehath? Well, I don't know, but it seems to oh, me... Oh, Zimri, how good it is that I have found you. I had hoped that you might be here with Jehath. What is it, Phineas? I'd prefer to speak with you when you're alone. Who are these women? They're not of the camp of Israel. No, they're not. We're only two women of Midian who've approached the camp of Israel on a mission of peace. We've come to invite you and your brothers to sit down with us and feast. The sons of Moab and Midian would welcome you. Our land has plenty for us and for all of you, and we would be most pleased to share it with you. Why is it then that the princes of Moab and of Midian have not approached us? Why must the women furtively and slyly sneak around the outposts of our camp preying upon the unwary and enticing them to share in the festivals to your pagan gods, Chemosh and Baal. Zimri, who is this who dares to address Kozbai, the daughter of Zer, chieftain of Midian, in this fashion? This is Phineas, son of Eleazar, the high priest of Israel. Phineas, if you have words with me, speak them, but address them to me. Zimri, do you honestly believe that you can mix with these people and not become involved with them? Are you so blind as to believe that you can sit down with them, to eat and drink and rise up to have a good time, yet not be responsible before Jehovah? Do you not know that the festivals carried on by the worshippers of Baal are certain to lead you into fornication with their gods and with their women? Zimri, I will not be insulted further by this, this priest of your God. I am returning to my people. 
If you prefer to listen to Phineas, then I'll find other company among the princes of Israel. Choose for yourself. Listen to me, Phineas. Neither I nor my brothers will be interfered with. We know what we're doing. If we choose to associate with the sons and daughters of Midian, that is for us to decide. And what of you, Jahath? Will I be seeing you at the festival? Uh, I don't know. I'll see. Very well, Jahath. Come or not, it doesn't matter to me. You have only yourself to blame if you miss it. Phineas, you have presumed beyond your authority. Your view is narrow and restricted. You have no right to impose it upon us. Beware, Zimri, that you do not tempt Jehovah beyond the limits of his mercy and loving kindness. And remember, too, that if any of the pagan women come into the camp of Israel, they deserve to die. That, too, the future alone will decide. Jahath, are you accompanying me? My watch continues until sundown. After that, I don't know. Just remember, Jahath, you don't have to be like them. So Israel attached itself to the Baal of Peor, and the anger of Jehovah began to blaze against Israel. of Israel, safe and alive. I know, little one. Jehovah has allowed this scourge. Many have fallen. Have you seen Zimri? He's nowhere to be found. Could it be that... Phineas and I both fear for him, Bethiah. He was so, so headstrong. I know. What a reproach to our father Selu and to Jehovah. And now Jehovah has laid the commandment upon Moses, and Moses has said to the judges of Israel... Each one of you kill his men who have an attachment with the Baal of Peor. How is your heart in this matter, Jahath? My heart is like that of Moses. And yours, Bethiah? Mine too, no matter where Jehovah's judgment falls. But as for Zimri... I grieve from my brother, only in that he was too foolish to see Jehovah's blessing and too proud to heed your wise counsel, Phineas. But how can he escape the judgment of the true God? We can only pray that Jehovah's mercy will not depart completely from Israel, and that somehow his wrath will be turned aside. Look, Phineas, Zimri's coming with a Midianite woman. Bring her into the assembly of the sons of Israel. Look, Zimri and the Midianite woman, Kazbai, he's taking her into the tent. Certainly, Phineas' priest He's will not take it upon himself to... ...and following them into the tent. Phineas has pierced Zimri and Cosby through. What an agonizing death. A judgment from Jehovah at the hand of his priest. Oh, Jehath. If only Zimri could have listened. If only he could have turned to Jehovah. Then he would not have gone down to the Midianite woman as though it were just a little thing. But now his sin against Jehovah has come back upon his own head. May Jehovah's will be done.
Phineas, the son of Eleazar, has turned back my wrath from upon the sons of Israel. By his tolerating no rivalry at all toward me in the midst of them, so that I have not exterminated the sons of Israel in my insistence on exclusive devotion. So the scourge was halted, and those who died from the scourge amounted to 24,000. 24,000 who failed to enter the promised land because they fashioned themselves after Baal-worshipping enemies of God. 24,000 who placed too high a value on rising up to have a good time. And Jehovah took vengeance upon the Midianites and commanded Moses to kill every male and the five kings of Midian. Only the flocks and the herds and the little ones among the women were saved alive. At last the sons of Israel pulled away and encamped on the desert plains of Moab across the Jordan from Jericho. Look, the days have drawn near for me to die. I am lying down with my forefathers. A hundred and twenty years old I am today. I shall no more be allowed to go out and come in. As Jehovah has said to me, you will not cross this Jordan. Joshua is the one whom Jehovah has commissioned, and Jehovah, your God, is the one crossing before you. So now listen, O Israel. I do take the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you today that I have put life and death before you, the blessing and the malediction, and you must choose life in order that you may keep alive you and your offspring by loving Jehovah your God and by listening to his voice and by sticking to him, for he is your life and the length of your days. So the word that was heard by the older generation coming out of Egypt did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who did hear. But Paul says, We have had the good news declared to us also, even as they also had. Will it benefit us today? We too are in the wilderness for much longer than most of us had expected. Are we tiring out? Do we murmur and complain against the leadership Jehovah has appointed for us? Or do we look in faith toward the second promise Jehovah has made for us, to take us successfully into the land he holds out to those who survive this world's end? What do our works show? that we are in fact leaning heavily upon Satan's system, looking back to Egypt for security and the so-called better things of life? Do not be misled. God is not one to be mocked. Association with this system 
will certainly lead us into the path of Korah, of Dathan and Abiram, and of those who succumb to the seductive wiles of the women of Midian. So beware of losing faith by drawing away from Jehovah. Choose life that you may keep alive by loving Jehovah our God, by listening to his voice and by sticking to him. For he is our life and the length of our days.